It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for. It's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jedlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world. Welcome, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting episode of Goat Gab. We're so glad to have you join us. And as always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Laura Warren Hughes. And I'm the other co-host, Cameron Jedlowski. And this week, we're back from the national show, and I would say we are rested. Right, Laura? Well, I think that I have probably taken more naps over the past week, especially over the weekends, than I have for a long time. Um so yes, I would say rested. How about you? I feel the same way. It was uh, it was great to sleep in my bed for the first time in about a month between prepping animals for nationals, a little bit of light travel for work, and then actually going to the national show. Um, it was great. And I will tell you that that Saturday when we got back, because we got back on Friday, um, I probably slept about 18 of the 24 hours in the day and I was still tired the next day. Yeah, I know I slept tons and tons and tons because I just, I just felt like I couldn't get enough. And and I know that for me, part of the issue, um, I've learned that I guess I'm just too old. I don't sleep really well on a cot, and um, yeah, that was that was interesting. But glad to be home. Glad to be back in my own bed. Glad glad to be home from the nationals. But it was an awesome week. Well, before we dive into talking about the Nationals and talk about our awesome time at the National Show, um, let's just maybe check in and see what's kind of been happening at our places uh, the last um, since we left the farm there for the National Show. So, Laura, go ahead. So after getting back from Nationals, um, we came back to some really hot weather and then it kind of got nice. And then we had what my husband calls a million dollar rain. We got about two inches of rain, which we desperately needed. So hay looks good and the corn looks good. And hopefully that will reflect in better feed prices this fall. And uh, um, the goats seem to be really happy. I swear when we opened the trailer and, and let them off the trailer, they like made a beeline down to the barn. It was really fun to see. So um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure everybody else's goats were like that too. Oh my God. Catherine's goats. They jumped off the trailer and they ran right to the door. Like yeah. I had never seen them first. I've never seen them be able to like herd to the right place at one time, but they just ran. And I was like, okay, this is this is easy. It's so much easier to unload them than it is to unload them. Oh heavens, yes, 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 for sure. Um, so this week I kind of have some. Well, uh, first I have linear appraisal on Thursday, so I'm really excited about that. We haven't been appraised for four years, so I'm very tickled to get. Oh, like an, a seven year old that I have. This will hopefully be her final score, and um, just to get a set of eyes on my animals. Um, the appraiser that we have was the very second appraiser that we had. Um, gosh, a long time ago. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see maybe how our herds changed and evolved over the years when we compare our scores. And, um, then I have a 4-H show to judge this coming Saturday and haven't, haven't judged a show for a couple of years. So it'll be kind of fun to get back in the saddle and try that a little bit. And, uh, finalized our breeding plans. We kind of talked about it in the truck um, 
on our nationals trip, but trying to get that finalized and then make the final push to get the website updated so it can show all those. So that's, that's kind so, of it in a nutshell. Question, Laura, on your breeding plans, do you find that after the national show, your breeding plans or maybe your, your preemptive breeding lands that you plan before the nationals change significantly? Um, or has it always been, I know what path I'm going down. Um, you know, I'm going to keep this straight and narrow. Well, for us this year, it really didn't change significantly because um, (laughs) we realized that we have a really beautiful and well-bred buck out in the pasture that we have not utilized enough. Um, You know, he's three years old this year and we don't have any mammary systems to look at out of him in our herd. Other people do, but we'd like to give him, you know, in a small herd, sometimes it's hard to get a buck, a lot of use. So we kind of decided even before national show that we really wanted to give him a a good chance to show what he's got. So uh, we were planning to do that anyway, probably not so many AIs this year uh, with where uh, the convention falls. That makes it really difficult for us to AI at the time that we really like to AI. I like March kids and with convention being in October, that kind of messes that up. So for us this year, it didn't change. Now, some years, some years we've thought about it a little bit, but, not a whole lot. National show placings don't really make an impact on what I'm doing, I guess. So what about you guys? Um, I, you know, I think it's different. Um, in, in a tale of two herds, as we'll call it here, um, on on the Kickapoo Valley side, my dad's herd and my herd, they pretty much stayed, stayed, uh, stayed, the, stay, stayed the same. Um, maybe a surprise change here or there, or maybe... Okay, we really need to think a little bit harder about a couple animals because they were higher profile does at the national show, Um, but nothing really changed. Um, We did the breeding plan, I think at about 6.30 a.m. or maybe it's 5.30 a.m. I was driving there through Indiana and my dad would say a goat and then he would fall asleep and then he'd say another goat and fall asleep. So it wasn't super super cohesive, um, but it didn't change much there. Um, on this Hagenberg side, uh, it it definitely changed. Um, we there's uh, some some change ups, some shake ups that are going to be happening. It looks like all excited um, opportunities. So uh, a little bit on the Hagenberg side, but still going to be pretty aggressive with AI as well there. So um, we're we're pretty excited. But I, I think on that side, we might have let a couple national show placings or how goats did impact. Um, what we're going to breed to, or maybe who we need to repeat a breeding to, if that makes sense. Sure, it does. And and I also know that there have been years that we've gone to national shows that we've uh, done the whole breeding program on the way back. One of my daughters just reminded me of that, that we've done that. So um, I just don't feel like, you know, some years you'll see a herd or you'll see some animals and you're like, okay, that herd has exactly what I feel like I need. And I'm going to do everything I can to bring those bloodlines into my herd. And this year I really didn't see that. So. Gotcha. I, I felt the same way with the togs, but then sometimes when um, something happens um, and you get presented an opportunity, you just got to run with it. So. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and my comment certainly was not to take anything away from, from the beautiful animals that were at the national show or the placings or whatever. I just, 
yeah, there, there wasn't something that just really stood out to me. And I thought, Oh, I need, I need that. I want that. You know, maybe an example is like, I, I'm just going to pick on, I'm going to pick on your herd here. Maybe Uh I go to a goat show and I fall in love with a buck from your herd. Maybe I love the consistency of type of daughters or something like that. And I think, okay, I need to get some semen from Laura, for example. And I need to breed my goats to that because I think that's something that can improve X, Y, Z goat. Or maybe that's something that I could keep a buck out of. You know, that's an example right. of that. Is that what you're thinking, Laura? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, like, like for us, um, holy, your doe holy was a doe like that for me. You know, I, I looked at her and I thought, yeah, there is something here that I really want. And, and yes, I think that shows are really good for that because sometimes that's the only time you get to see those animals, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Now, holy is just a very fat six-year-old dry dough that comes in and was eating grain three times a day. She's back down to two now, but still a little pudgy. She's a beautiful dough though. And she'll, she'll come out of it next year. It'll be fine. Oh yeah. I hope so. Um, but nonetheless on my farm here, um, we got back from nationals on Friday morning. Uh, um, uh, our, our, our trip to nationals was eventful. So our back from nationals was eventful. In addition to taking a wrong turn, where we proceeded to then go through some back road mountain country to get back to the right way there. Um, we also got back to the farm and noticed we were missing a trailer tire. So, oh my gosh. How scary. So, not, you're not just talking like a flat tire. You're talking about the whole tire. The, the whole tire wheel. is the whole tire is missing. The, the, the bolts are stripped. Um, I mean, it just, it, I, I just, I about crapped my pants, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, who wouldn't? So um, that that was super eventful. But then the next day, my brother came over and he was like, I'm going to clean these pens um, for my dad, which was really nice. And he actually um, did that. And then what he proceeded to do halfway or on the last pen he was going to start is he accidentally put diesel fuel in the hydraulic lines of the skid steer. Oh gosh, that doesn't sound good. No, I'm not a mechanic, but I can tell you it's not good there. So um, he had a heck of a day. And then when he got all the way done, I think he ruined the fuel injector within the skid steer as well. So. Oh, that's, you know, is that a good example of no good deed goes unpunished? Yes, yes, it is. So uh, the pens are clean. The pens are clean, but. This skidster's out of commission for a little bit, but that's okay too. We're not going to be moving a lot of hay anytime soon um, because we're moving. We're we're very fortunate. Before we left for the nationals, we got our second cutting of our alfalfa field bailed up, and we had about 270 small square bales put into there. So, um, and then the third cutting is coming back even better. It looks like than the second cutting. So, we're really excited about that. So, we're not going to be moving anything soon, but it just kind of stinks. Well, yeah, because. You know, and I know that when you want it, you really need it then. And you're like, oh, crud, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yes. Poor Evan. Yeah. Evan, Evan's not having a good, did not have a good weekend last weekend there. Um, We got our breeding plans. We got our breeding plans planned over a couple days, togs, alpine stables. Um, Everything is planned now. That's not to say, you know, it's not going to change, but that's kind of the fun of it there. And uh, in addition to that, on July 13th, which will be the day we release this podcast, if we're releasing on Wednesday, um, our barn is going to be started. 
Woohoo! That's exciting. Yes, it is. But uh, yeah, there's just a lot. Feel, oh, go ahead. I feel like you guys need to do like a ribbon cutting. Something, something, some type of shovel, or I, I don't know. Maybe, right. Probably just a picture on Facebook. So. Oh, that's really exciting. I yes, uh, was. I was listening to Beyond the Ring, one of my favorite yeah. podcasts, and they were talking about the things you know that they like to see in you know, build a better barn kind of a thing. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I need to think about what I want because I am going to build a better barn sometime. Well, I think that's a great teaser episode for a podcast episode um, that in my mind, Ryan and Dale stole from us because I texted you that idea. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it must be that that mental telepathy thing. Absolutely. If I had Ryan Rash telepathy, I don't know what I'd do. Cameron, with all with all love and respect, if you had Ryan Rash um, filtered through you, I don't think any of us could handle you. <laughs> I agree with that a hundred percent. There, but um, something else that we can't really handle right now is what's going on in the American Dairy Goat Association world. Oh my gosh. I think we need a long podcast and a lot of alcohol to really get through that topic, don't we? <laughs> I I truly think that would be not 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 the not the most um, productive episode, but a good rant sesh. Oh my gosh. I mean, can we just say man, way to shoot yourself in the dang foot. It's just it's just been it has been a week. It has been a week. It's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. And I think I, I think I speak for both Laura, who's on the board of directors, and myself, who's on the IM committee, that um it's not a position that I don't we would wish anyone to be in. No, and it's definitely not something that anybody's sitting back going, ha, 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 look at this. Because it's not. Nobody, nobody is happy about it. No yes. one. Yes, and um, if you've been living living under a rock the last couple of weeks, or the last couple last whole week in general, um, <laughs> um, look on social media. Look, check your emails for that. That's um, just it's a mess. But we we can look at happier things, though. Well, and you uh, you know uh, again trying to look at the positive side of things. I think we've learned some lessons from this, and. Um, all of the accounts have been rolled back to their balances as of 7-1 at midnight. So if you've done work since then, it won't be reflected in your balance. But uh, the crazy, I, I think my balance went from 53, like $53 credit to $783 credit. And I'm like, woohoo, I'm going on a trip. And then to a $50 negative. So I, that should be, it should be back to, it should be back to my $53 credit. Um, if you, you know, at the time that we recorded this, so this was Saturday evening, NG is down. And my understanding is that it won't be back up until it has been fully tested and we know that things are right. So that's, I think that's a move in the positive direction. Yeah, I agree on that. So uh, enough about the um, less than fun things going on in NADGA, but Maybe let's reflect on for this week's topic uh, a fun thing that happened in Adga, which was the American Dairy Goat Association National Show. Cameron, don't you feel like when we when we have the national show that it's just 
kind of the, the best of the best showcase. I mean, you get to see people that you don't get to see very often. People are typically in a happy mood. Um, there's friendships made and, and all kinds of stories, whether it's tragic stories that people help out with or happy stories or stories behind placings. It's just, it's just a good week. It makes you happy that you have dairy goats, I think. Absolutely, it does. And it's truly a, oh, I don't even know how to say it. The national show is like a, a drug, for lack of a better terms, because you get hooked on it when you're really invested in the goats. And I've never, I've never heard someone say, well, I really didn't enjoy the national show. Right. No, I haven't either. And um, I think it's one of those things that's daunting to think about going to the first time. But then once you go, you're like, okay, when can I go again? Because it, it really, it's an experience like no other. Yeah, it was it was so fun. It was so fun to see friends that we had made in national shows or um, you've got to judge their animals in the past and you're able to see them at the big stage now or maybe friends from the West Coast as well that you don't always get to see and compete against. Um, it was it truly was a great week. So, Cameron, talking about a great week, you got to start off the week with a unique experience for yourself. Yeah, I did. I did. I was honored to be one of the four judges uh, selected um, to uh, judge the youth events, um, which was uh, a humbling experience um, because it's something that um, Adga does really, 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 really freaking well. Um, and it really hats off to that entire youth uh, national show youth committee. Paul Plummer and the committee there do a tremendous job uh, with that. Um, and I, I, you know, I have, I had, um, we had some unique experiences judging intermediate two, really putting those kids through the ringer. I've had a couple kids come with me afterward and say, I've never been worked that hard in the showmanship class. Well, by golly, this is the national show. You better work it to earn it there. Oh, and it was so much fun to watch too. I mean, you could just see the intensity on those kids out there and, and how hard they were working and the thoughts in their heads, you know, where do I need to go? What do I need to do? Um, I loved watching the kids answer questions and, and it was just, it was just a lot of fun. And I think you're right. This is something that ADGA does so well at our national shows. Um, the, that youth weekend, it ran like a well-oiled machine and, and I agree. Hats off to Paul Plummer and to Bruce Foster and to everybody else that that uh, worked so hard to make it a really great experience for those kids. I saw lots of smiles and lots of fellowship and lots of friendships made. It was fun to see. Oh yeah, my favorite event, and I and I, I don't know why I hold on to this event so tightly. Maybe because I've won it before, but it's the fitting and grooming contest because anybody. Anybody can go show a goat. You know what I'm saying? Can you put all the pieces together of truly being able to master preparing an animal for show within a 30 minutes as well as in a team environment? Because anybody can clip a goat 30 minutes solo. Yeah, exactly. And to do it in a way that catches the eye of your judges and, and lets them see how well you're working together because – you know, it's one thing to work as a team to clip a goat. It's another thing to show that teamwork to your judges. And I think that's always fun to see how they're able to do it. But I'm going to tell you something, Lauren. I, I know you've got some people in the audience there as well. Um, as you're recording, um, judging it is pure chaos. Is it really hard? Oh, my God. I mean, there's like 35 teams going. And, you know, I have ADHD pretty bad. <laughs> 
head. So being able to focus and kind of watch and, and see there, it's not the easiest thing in the world. And I just, I remember I turned to Katie, Dr. Katie Wolf uh, Jackson on time. And I said, I said, this is pure chaos. She's like, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, yeah. it was fun though. I, I mean, Elizabeth, by the way. Oh yeah, we're yeah. joined. We're joined with one of my daughters, Elizabeth. Yes. Did you guys like? I know at the end where you go around and kind of look, like you obviously go through and check every animal in that fitting team at the end when they're done clipping. But as you're watching, do you guys kind of already have an idea of like, oh, I really like, I want to really look at this team, or I really this team caught my eye, like. Does that make sense? Like, do you already kind of have a idea as the teams are clipping as to who you really think is going to place really well? Absolutely. Sorry, you said a peanut butter pretzel. Um, absolutely we do. And I think the biggest thing is that um, I had the opportunity to take a clipboard and I was able to write things down as I was going and examining teams there because there's a lot, there's a lot going on in that show ring there. So if you maybe if I saw a really good teamwork or I thought you guys were communicating well or if I um, saw that you know everything just seemed motionless or like effortless or maybe I saw that all four team members were doing something always there I would write that team name down and then I'd come back to them and kind of watch them throughout the competition a little bit harder to do that I will tell you at the end of the competition I probably had about 15 teams written down uh, so so half of them, and we have to whittle that then down to five. Um, well, we're clip. Well, we're deciding and looking at it there. Wow, that is a lot. Yeah, it it, it is. It's definitely um, you know, um, for something that you know you're going and volunteering, um, you know, six hours, seven hours of your day of. Um, it truly is a lot of work uh, as a judge, um, not just physically but also mentally as well, um, and being able to. Um, evaluate these kids. And I always tell people that judging goats, and this is maybe my opinion, is easy because it's there's a scorecard and you apply it to that and the, you can't hurt the goat's feelings. However, judging youth in showmanship, in fitting and grooming team there, that's a lot more difficult because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You don't want to make sure that they have a, a negative experience with it there. Um, so so it's it truly is a challenging um, task, especially at a national level. Oh, I can totally imagine. But I, I will say that the four of you guys made it look pretty effortless. And it was it was fun to see some judges out in the ring for youth showmanship that were new and some newer and some judges who are experienced that you don't get to see judge that often. So it was I thought it was a fun mix of judges that were out there. Well, yes, thank you. I think I think they did a great job of selecting the judges. I, I'm going to sound biased there. They did a great job of selecting the judges, but I really think they did. And there was a lot of diversity as well. And it was really, really fun to work with Dr. Katie Jackson um, because she is someone that I've really, um, really enjoyed judging with. And I think because we're relatively close to the same age, being younger judges, that also helps too. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. You guys seem to mesh well. It was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. But Laura, you had an exciting uh, Sunday as well there. You had an animal accepted to the Colorama sale. Yeah, that was fun. That was, you know, and kind of uh, focusing on emotions of the national show. That was, that was certainly a high for us. That was exciting to have her um, accepted. Of course, 
you know, for people who don't quite understand how all of that works, you kind of have to have an idea in your head that you want this animal to be accepted before you set foot at the national show. They have to be entered. You have to have a lot of health testing done on those animals. And that all has to be done before you get there at the national show. So um, you have to have a TB set test. You have to have a brucellosis test. You have to have a CAE test. So um, like <laughs> in our case, our CAE test came back the morning that we were leaving. So we were <laughs> glad, glad to have that glad that it, it, you know, did go ahead and show up on time, but um, you know, it, it would be disappointing to not have an animal accepted after you go through all that work, but you do that knowing that that's a very real chance. So it was, it was fun to do that. And, and I got to add too, like we, it's interesting to see that the change in like the, the emotions in that standpoint, because on the way there, the whole focus is like, oh my gosh, I hope she gets accepted or I hope she makes a sale. And then as soon as we found out that she was, you know, accepted, it was, oh my gosh, I really hope she just goes to a good home. <laughs> you know, you, there's just a lot of emotional excitement of like highs and lows with it. And you know, we couldn't have been happier with who are doing it up with. I think she's going to do really well for that person. But the whole experience was just something really nice to be part of with the national show in that aspect, too. And I want everyone to know here, and I'm going to say this publicly, I was not involved. I am in the Color Rainbow Silk Committee. I was not involved in the selection of Laura's Animal. So no no bias there. I was busy judging <laughs> showmanship when they were selected. So there was no, like puppet master pulling strings type thing here. Um, Laura's animals didn't even need my help for that because they're just that dang good. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, she's an adorable little kid. And, um, you know, as Elizabeth said, I, I think she'll do really well for her family and we couldn't be happier with where she went. So um, it's fun to think about like our Midwest genetics being over on the East coast. Cause that she went to New Jersey. So that'll be, that'll be kind of fun to see how she, turns out and develops for them so uh the color and the colorama sale itself is kind of fun too you know when you get to walk out there with glittered up goats and um you know you can take those supporting animals out and show people what they look like and that was that was fun we had a good time with that well and i think the uh, it's kind of something i want to roll into here the colorama sale the youth events the actual show here at the national show and it's something that you know, my dad, Dr. Ed talks about a lot here is the biggest thing that makes the national show different from a regular goat show is the pageantry of it all. Don't you guys oh, agree? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And yeah. you have to do it up big with your reasons, with your, your grand drive stories there, in which we heard a lot of those there, how the showmanship judges, judges did that there. Um, and even in the Colorama sale, you have to do it up big to create this pageantry that really just helps create this experience of the national show. Two people that I feel like did an outstanding job of that. One of them was Mark Baden when he was judging the Nubians. Um, he just really not only, I mean, Mark always gives great reasons, but he really went out of his way to, make sure that lives, the people watching on live stream noticed things about the animals that he saw and told a lot of stories and, and pulled it in with the scorecard. And, and I just thought that was a lot of fun, something that, that you don't really have time for at a regular show. 
And then the other person was um, Anna Thompson Hadjik. And when she stood out there before her, um, I believe it was on the Nigerians. And she talked about um, being in Harrisburg and as, as an ADGA youth rep and, you know, kind of coming around full circle at getting to judge here again. It was just really neat. It was neat to hear her talk about that. Yeah. And I think it's those types of things that create this, all-encompassing magical experience of the national show and and really make it not just special for the exhibitors but for the people watching too on live stream ringside there um it it really makes it fun and you know the biggest times that the crowds get involved are when that senior champion doe is selected there and that's when you have to play it up Oh gosh. And, and I loved that about the Nigerian winners because there were so many people hooping and hollering at ringside when even just class winners were picked. I mean, it was, you could feel that excitement building up. Oh my gosh, we have another class winner. Oh my gosh. Now it's the age Joe that's being picked. We're almost ready for that champion. And it was a lot of fun and, and it was fun to see tears and joy and excitement. Um, my daughters were talking today about the Nubian when the Nubian grand champion was picked um, that the two daughters came running into the ring and, and gave the goat and the handler a big hug. And I'm just like, that is just, that is so cute. That's what it's about. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it really is. It it really is those special moments. And uh, I'm going to segue here. We're kind of talking all over the place, but I think it's important here is, I want to give a shout out to the photographer who really did an a, a incredible job of capturing those moments on in the camera. I, I mean, they were there, they were present, and they were able to capture those special moments that I, I know that I have one ordered right now, and I'm looking on my wall exactly where I'm going to put it. Actually, yeah, that the photographers were amazing and got pictures up just almost instantaneous on their website, and it's easy to order, and it was. Wow, they were just really outstanding. This this the screenshot or the excuse me, the ring shots um that are more formal were great, but also all of those candid shots were just beautiful. Oh yeah, I think that's something that needs to continue for previous years as we hire that same photographer. Yeah, I agree. I w- I would totally give that as a thumbs up. You know, also talking about emotions at the national show though, there were some lows and and one of them I'd like to bring forward um, was, uh, the exhibitor. I'm not, I'm not going to put a name out here, but, um, if you're on the Facebook, most people have seen it. The exhibitor that had the trailer fire on the way to the national show. Um, you know, it, it's easy to, to think about showing is all sunshine and roses, but the honest truth is that there are some hard things that happen sometimes on the way to a show. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine how tragic I just can't imagine that. That was just awful. Uh huh. I totally agree on that, and I think it's 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 something that you never even think is fathomable until it happens there. And um, if you do have a little bit of time or a little bit of, of um, available resources, I would encourage you to donate. Um, there, I do believe that's all over the district pages there um, for that one for that uh, exhibitor as well. There, so I would encourage you to donate. Um, some money in order to help the, uh, the offset the medical bills of those animals. Yeah, that's that would be just so so hard. And I feel so bad for that for that exhibitor. Yeah. 
Laura, I got, I got a question for you talking about emotions here. And I, it is kind of our first point, our formal first point here. But I, I the, the national show, I'm going to let me back up here. Let me ask you and Elizabeth a question here. Do you guys ever get like high strung and emotional at like a club show? Uh, honestly, you know, the girl, we were all talking about this not that long ago that we miss the times as to when we were newer breeders that, you know, you still get that excitement. Of, you know, you see those newer people that it's like, oh my gosh, I got first place in my class or, oh my gosh, I got my first leg on my first homebred doe ever. And it's like, it's not that we're not as excited anymore. We feel a little sad because it's like, it's not the same kind of excitement. Does that make sense? Yeah. We, we miss that. And that's one thing that I was saying that I, you know, a lot of people don't know that Maple Wind does have some signs. And part of that is because like they're basically, it's my own breed personally. And I've, I've taken that on as my own kind of challenge that what I still love is the fact that I get to enjoy that excitement again. Like, because it's my own challenge personally that if I do well, it's because I made those correct or good breeding plans. And, you know, I took care of that animal specifically and we do still get emotional. There's sometimes that it's like, usually it's more when all four of us girls are at the show because we get to enjoy it as a, a team again, but it's not as often anymore. I feel like I, I, the only time I feel like anymore, we really get high strung at shows maybe comes out sometimes at the state fair. Yeah. But I mean, just because, you know, there's, there are so many group classes and then um, there's one class that we always have wanted to, to win and we never have. So, and we've shown our state fair for 13 years, 13 years. years. Um, And it's a unique Missouri class. It's called, it's called the Missouri herd class. And I know you've judged it, Cameron, but you you choose six animals to show in there. Two are from the junior show, four are from the senior show, and they have to be all from different age classes, same breed, and you have to be the breeder of all of them. So for us, it took a while to be able to exhibit in that class, you know, because when you're first starting out, you don't get to. And then um, we, we've never won it because it's all breeds that show together. So, you know, I guess that's the only thing that I get a little bit antsy about is, you know, trying to do our very best at state fair and maybe we could pull off that Missouri herd, but not so much. What about you guys? Do you, do you get ramped up at local shows anymore? Not really at local shows as much. I think we've, we gotten better about it. I would say that as my dad has gotten older, he's probably got less, like less, uptight about things like he would go and he would razor udders back in the day for like a club show that had like 75 goats uh-huh yeah and, and, and now he's he's definitely calmed down a lot and he's not here to defend himself at all there but i think at the national show there's this added level of we know what it takes to get here we think we're there but when the animals don't perform to the level that you think they should be, you get stressed out. Yeah. And I would say that for us this year, it was that way a little bit. We really did. I mean, we didn't go in with, we didn't go into the senior show really expecting a whole lot. 
um, probably more so with our juniors. So that was a little disappointing that we didn't place as well as we really kind of thought we would. But yeah, I know that for me, it takes about 24 hours for me to like digest it and think about it and realize, you know, I need to go back and tell myself the thing that I always try to tell myself. The animal that I walked out of the ring is the same animal that I walked into the ring. So that judge's opinion didn't change, didn't change my animal at all. It's the same animal that you walked in with two and a half hours ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, that's the Alpine two-year-old class. Okay. I mean, that was, you guys were out there. I mean, it was the longest class I'd ever been in a national show in a long time. Oh, I don't know. That senior yearling class. Well, I mean, they had to evacuate the entire barn halfway through it. So. <laughs> I know. I thought we, I really felt like I was in a, in an episode of, of or in that Groundhog Day movie. <laughs> we just kept walking and walking and walking. Like, oh, I didn't notice that state flag the last time I walked. Yeah, right. Exactly. I think it's the only time I've ever been to a national show where it was acceptable to pull out your cell phone in the ring. Yes. Yes. I would agree with that. Thank you know. Yeah. That was something. That was, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was crazy. And and we talked about it on our live episode, but I mean, 150 people just running and, and apparently I was talking to Catherine about it and she was like, it was very apparent on live stream as well. Oh, was I, it? I hadn't thought about that. Sure. I just, yeah, you, <laughs> you know, you bring up, it was acceptable to pull out your cell phone, but what year was it that Mark Baden had to get onto the Nigerian freighters for leaning against the wall? That, like, they were all. Uh, no, they were sitting on the wall, not the leaning. Wall. Yeah. <laughs> I could have used a wall to sit in in that, in that senior yearling class. Oh, yeah. oh I could have as well. <laughs> that was something else. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? Again, still focusing on the emotions. Weren't you? Didn't you feel just kind of proud inside when you saw how everybody was working to help everybody? Well, I mean, I was in the show ring, but once I heard about it, I, you know, I really, I was like, okay, this is great. This is this is was really really cool to see, and uh, you know, it really just goes to show the the power of the goat community. I think John Kane said it best on ringside is that. You know, it, it really is crazy to see strangers helping each other that you know they might have just met literally less than 24 hours ago. Right. And people were like using their trucks to pull other people's trailers and campers out of the flood area. And it was just it was just pretty darn cool. Well, I'm 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 proud of our community for that. And also one thing that I've noticed that I don't know, maybe I just haven't cat- caught it in the past years. Is for example when Mark was about to announce the national champion Nubian, and they they the other breed I can't remember what breed it was Alpines Alpines yeah it was Alpines they said you guys we're gonna stop and you guys are allowed to go watch the Nubian champion get chosen like people literally like stopped their show got out of the line and went to ringside to watch the Nubian champion get chosen and it was like. That just comes to show that it doesn't matter what breed you have, you know, who who you're showing for, whatever. We're all a big goat community. And it's just, it's, it is an emotional time. It doesn't matter what breed is getting champion. It's a big deal. 
people appreciate a beautiful goat, whether it's your breed or not. But. Yeah, I thought that was really, really, really interesting too because you were helping us show group classes at that point. Um, and it was – I felt like it was a breach. I felt like a dirty, dirty showman for lack of a better terms um, because we were breaking all of this pomp and circumstance and protocol that had been established. But also at the same time, it was like when a national champion is selected – there's so much energy. I mean, you could light a match and light up with that whole place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is totally fun. Um, you know what? I think talking about flooding um, kind of transitions well into another thing that we wanted to talk about. It's jumping ahead a little bit. But let's talk about the facility. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the facility. Um, so I don't think it's a secret to anybody that – We've been to Harrisburg several times and it's yep. just as hot as I remember it being back in 1988 when I was there the last time. Um, and I don't think it's also a secret that this is the most expensive facility that we rent as, as the American Dairy Good Association. I will tell you when I got to my pens on Friday, I was in the horse stalls. I was not impressed to see that there were canvas walls that my goats immediately started to tear apart from the horse stalls, which, okay, I mean, they're goats. We understand that. We get that. Um, but what I did not expect was there to be standing water in a probably three-fourths of my pens that I had paid $45 for. Ouch. So that was not a happy camper on that, including all of my neighbors had standing water. My fiance's pens had standing water. So, and when you had just made a cross country 13 hour trip in a truck and trailer and you just want your animals to get off, you can imagine the frustration. So what did you do? We got a broom from our trailer. We huddled them all in a couple pens and we swept the pens clean. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That we didn't have that. What we did have, and we were supposed to be in the horse barn, but at the last minute, like, Many other exhibitors, we were pretty much told that there weren't enough pins over there. So would we take the smaller pins? And we did. And I paid for extra pins on top of that. Um, lesson learned, don't interlate. Yeah, lesson learned, don't <laughs> inter interlate. <laughs> um, but... Our our big surprise was the fact that we had absolutely no airflow where we were. We were smack dab in the middle of the main barn and there was just no air there. And there are no fans in that building. Yeah, that I mean that that barn was hot. I would say our barn was hot as well, especially in you can get you could get some airflow in where we were. Um, but I also, but also because the, they were so high, the horse stalls were so high, which that's a horse stall for you. Um, it also, there wasn't a lot of airflow at the bottom of the pens. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. And I noticed that when we were over in your barn too, that, you know, the airflow, airflow everywhere just wasn't very good. Now on the plus side, I will say I was really worried about ammonia just from what people have told me in the past and, and whether keeping the end doors in that main barn open made a difference. Cause I think they kept all the doors open in all the barns um, or people were just very diligent about cleaning out their pens. I didn't really think the ammonia was that bad. It was a little noticeable, but it wasn't like, your eyes streaming and you're wheezing because it's so strong in there. 
Uh, there were a couple pens of mine that, that got bad, especially the pen that I had about five goats in was pretty bad. And we paid yeah. um, some small children in order to pit clean them, uh, which for $10 a pen for the horse stalls was a steal in my mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, it it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I will tell you, Laura, that last time in 2016, the building that I was in had small pens like like you guys had set up there, not horse stalls. Fun fact. And it was air conditioned. Really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah so it uh, complete, and we didn't even use that main barn in 2016, if I remember correctly. Huh. Right. Interesting. So fun, fun facts for you there. But uh, the national show was also bigger this year, um, including having the, honestly one of the largest contingencies of Nigerian dwarfs ever assembled in one place. <laughs> yeah. There were a but, lot of Nigerians. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it was just, it was interesting. But one thing that really blew me through a, a loop was there was like no organization of where to put your trailer or your campers for that matter. It was find a camper, random camper hookup and just hook up there. And then it was, oh, just park your trailer wherever. Right. And it was, oh my gosh, unloading stuff was horrible. Horrible. There was no rhyme nor reason to where you could put your trailer to unload stuff off of it. We had to walk through two barns to get our stuff into the main barn. It was, it was awful. That was a mess. What I didn't understand is like for all the people that were in the barn that we were, I call it the hot box barn. They expected <laughs> you to walk your animals outside, go all the way around to get into the show ring, which I'll admit a lot of people those little hallways that it said no livestock allowed, allowed, they just walked them through there because, first of all, it poured like crazy. People are not going to take their freshly cleaned, ready-to-show animals outside, walk them around in the hot heat to go to the show ring. Just not okay. Oh, yeah. I, I totally agree on that. I, I helped some friends in uh, in that barn, and it was, I mean, it was a, it was a hike to get there. Um, our pens uh, were very thankful that our pens were very close. Um, the national show committee probably recognized how unorganized we are sometimes and, and put us there for good reason. Um, but we were, we were, we were very lucky to be penned where we were, but I will also say that unloading for us, um, because we bring so much crap is always, uh, always, uh, always a problem. Well, I think for everybody it is. And I, and I also think back to Louisville, for example, I feel like that Louisville, we've been there enough. It's very organized on where you can temporarily pull your trailer in your truck to unload your stuff and then where to park your trailer afterwards. I feel like that we've got that down really well. So if we're going to go back to Pennsylvania, and I think that should be a really big if, some more thought needs to be given to that because it's, it's well, just not a good process. I was a little perplexed. And again, it probably comes down to money here. Why we used those barns instead of the big kind of show arena where we used the barns in 2016. Granted, it was also a hike from the show arena to where the goats were. Um, but I felt like it would have been a little bit more pomp and circumstance and pageantry that you need for the national show. 
I think it must have been that arena that you're talking about, Cameron, that we must have showed in in 1988, because I can remember almost like arena type seating. I mean, it was a yeah. big, it was it a had, big arena. It had bleachers that were like built into the, the walls. Like, and I remember in 2004, because we that was one of our first years that I, at our farm, when I was alive, had a junior national champion, and I was running that long hallway to go back and get the papers. So um, just weird things you remember from 2004, that and, and um, Hershey World with my, uh, with, with my bleach blonde uh, tips that I dyed my hair. Oh my so. God. One day, that, that picture of frosted tips, Cameron, will resurface on the internet. <laughs> I think that's great. Pull that one up along with the capri pants, Cameron, and we're, we're doing good. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> no, that was there. That was a good joke. <laughs> so another thought about the facility was about the vet check. Yeah, let's, Laura, I was the first one there. I was the first one in vet check. And we pulled in because my, my dad's on the committee. I'm on the Colorado Cell committee. I was judging the youth events. So we were allowed to get in early. But that also said, hey, uh, Dr. Ed, you are, you are a slave to the national show for all day Saturday. Uh, um, but um, we did get there. We pulled in at 1145 on Friday. And we were the first ones in vet check line. How exciting. So that went very smoothly for you. Well, there, there, it's kind of a, a tale of two different stories here. I mean, I think a vet check on Friday is very different than a vet check on Saturday. And a vet check on Saturday at 10 a.m. is very different than a vet check at 6 p.m. on Saturday. Yeah. No, I could totally get that. We pulled in there at about, was it about 11, 1130 yeah. on Saturday? Yeah. Um, and there was a big old long line and it was hot. And I thought, Oh my gosh, we are going to be here for hours. And these poor animals are going to be in bad shape. And, um, honestly, we, we got through that vet check line darn quick. They did three at a time. I thought it was a very efficient process. Over 40 people in front of us. And we got through there in less than an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Less than an hour. So, you know, I, I, my hats off to the, to the committee on, on how quickly they got animals through there. And do you feel like the vets were thorough? We're going to, this, this is going to bring us to the next point. Uh-huh. I okay. feel like they, I, I feel like they were, um, you know, for people who haven't been to a national show and are trying to picture what we're talking about, when you pull up there, um, there's a, a committee of people there and you hand them your CVI, your certificate of veterinary inspection, and they look it over to make sure that everything's done on it. Make sure that it's signed by everybody. Um, ask me how I know that that's an issue because one year we didn't have it signed. That was bad. Um, they have you pull the animals off the trailer and each one, they first check the tattoos to make sure that they're on the CVI. And then I, yeah, I felt like they were really thorough in, in what they went. They, you know, felt over your animals for lumps and abscesses and, and, you know, things that shouldn't be there. They, you know, looked at their eyes and their mouths and, you know, their tails. And yeah, I thought, I thought they were very thorough. I gotta say too, vet check is probably one of the most um, <coughs> stressful situations when you're going to a national show because you never know if they're going to catch anything on your animals that you just didn't see. But also kudos to the people that work vet check because it's hot out there. You have a lot of 
tired people that show up from hours and hours of driving. And I, I did notice the more people that they have helping, the way smoother and quicker it goes. So, but overall, I just want to say kudos to all those people that, that helped with vet check in that situation. Yeah. I, I, I ask because every year it's the, and this is the interesting thing. It's, it's different every year. Every vet check looks very, very different. Whereas in, in I would say maybe here, they were a little, little bit more thorough on the animals and less and more, for lack of a better terms, laissez-faire on the paperwork side of things compared to Kentucky to the last two ones. They were very airtight on the paperwork side of things, but maybe just a little smidge more relaxed on the, the thoroughness of the vet check. Um, I would agree with that. I, I agree. Yeah. But I, I, I did but it was interesting because I had a, I, we had a sick animal on Friday actually, um, not anything contagious or anything, just dealing with some some weird stuff there. I think the official diagnosis was she just seems depressed, which <laughs> which which very very weird. But um, we gave her some fluids on Friday. She was she was back normal on Saturday. And we actually ended up showing her uh, in the Sable Show on on uh, Tuesday, um, but. She, uh, but the vet came back in to check on the goat and, and she was one of the vets that was working vet check. She was the on-call vet and uh, one, and she's like, I just had to get away from there. I've been screamed at by more people than you could imagine. So, um, it's not all hunky dory rainbow is a vet check sometimes. No. And that's really unfortunate because I, I'm assuming maybe we pay them. I don't know. I, I don't know if we pay them. Probably, Probably not, not enough. Yeah. Right. So Cameron, what, I know that you have worked vet check in the past as, you know, one of the people who helps read tattoos and so forth. What happens if there's an issue? Well, um, it looks different with every vet. Um, some people try to fight it. Um, some people try to call their local veterinarian saying this is what's going on there. But again, the, the decision is always made by the vets that are on call and are on premise there. Um, if a situation arises where for whatever reason, they will reject the entire trailer load of animals. Um, uh, at some points, the national show committee might be involved as well. There, there was a couple situations where the national show committee, uh, was involved and they kind of visually inspected some animals as well there and said, no, this is, this is, this is nothing or this is yes. These animals need to go. They cannot be allowed to come into the facility there. So there are some. There's different protocols, and every vet check is handled very differently. Well, um, I think regardless of of what's going on, I think it's really important to remember that, you know, be kind. (laughs) There's a lot of emotions involved with that, and, and, you know, we don't want to run off our vets. We want to make sure that we have plenty of people who can help out with this kind of a thing. Yep. And I think this, that first six hour block of vet check, cause you kind of got that excitement, that energy when you get there and you're like, yeah, let's do this. But then vet check happens. Very stressful. Unloading all of your crap for lack of a better terms. Very stressful. But after those first of about six hours, four hours of stressfulness, you feel a lot better. Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. And that's when you can start running around and seeing your friends and, you know, seeing who all's there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
Exactly. So, totally. Yeah, yes, but but I think that's enough about vet check there, and it's a very 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 um, interesting discussion. Let's just go in there. Honestly, what? that's probably the most stressful part of all of it. I mean, mm-hmm. really, once you get through vet check, everything else is is doable. Well, let's talk about something that wasn't stressful, in my opinion, for everybody. Milk check. <laughs> I think it was only stressful for the people that were trying to get enough volunteers to do it. Oh my gosh, yes. And again, this this comes up every single year at the board of directors meeting. And it's like, no to milk check, yes to milk check. And I don't think they had any problems because I think a lot of Nigerian dwarf breeders stepped up. However, when when the Nigerian dwarf breeders needed someone to step up, there was a lack of lack of volunteerism. Let's just put the cards on the table here. Okay. The Nigerians were towards the end of the week. People were hot and tired. And there's a million of them. And there's, yeah, well, not a million, but 600. And I mean, there, there are so many of them to do. You got to bend over. You got to read their tattoos. Um, our, our show works papers or whatever the program is that we used didn't print tattoos. So everybody had to get their their books out with their ta- with their papers and you had to check the animals against the papers against the list of animals it is a daunting task for any breed but for the nigerian breed it's a huge task and i heard them ask over and over and over and over for volunteers to do milk check on there and it's just it's sad it's sad and and i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say this i don't i think it is a waste of volunteer time an effort to do a milk check at the national show. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, so I'll, we'll tell the story. We had a uh, staff actually come and do our milk check two and a half hours after the appropriate milk check time, because we oh, were wow. showing our animals in the show ring and we couldn't be back at our pens and showing our animals at the same time as well. We had all the animals milked out of course, but people will always call that, this is for fairness. This is to level the playing field for all exhibitors. I challenge people that say that and say there will never be a level playing field because the knowledge, the experience, and the prep work for every single exhibitor is very different. And I would also argue too, when you have exhibitors who are doing milk check, there's always that question in the back of people's minds. Um, is this fair? I mean, are they, are they trying to sabotage me? What if they, you know, what if they don't get to my pen till two hours after milk check is supposed to be, and they make me remilk my goats out? Well, that's not fair because my goats have made milk in two hours. So maybe there is some milk in the udder. So now I have to milk them out again. I mean, I just, I just feel like if we empower judges to truly excuse animals that are over uttered, and that happens a few times, milk check is going to take care of itself. And I will tell you that I, you know, we had Toggenberg milk check. I had an animal that um, once we went into the show ring, I, I felt like she might've been a little over uttered there. Maybe had carrying too much milk. My animal suffered for that. And I felt like I was placed accordingly because that goat's general appearance dropped out. Catherine right. even sent I- me a very interesting text message with a picture of the goat. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I, I think people need to sit here and, and think about physiology and what happens when an animal 
gets over uttered. They don't walk right. They don't stand right. Their stifles pop out. Their rumps look bad. They're uncomfortable. They go posty. All of these things are detrimental to ha- to over uttering them. So I don't really think we're going to get people who utter their animals for two days before they walk into the ring. It's just and crazy. I and I went back and listened to the Toggenberg show. Actually, Catherine wanted to rewatch it, and I was listening back to a couple. Uh, and these were my goat. These were my goats, or I.e. Catherine's goats here. And I will admit, I think I, some of those goats I put way too much milk in there, and. I was third place, third utter in in the yearling milker class and in the three-year-old class Catherine was. I was just showing the goat. Um, but both times, the judges in the mammary system placing talked about more desired utter texture. Yeah, I just think we need I think we need more of that. I think more judges need to need to feel like saying, and I don't care if it's to a first-time exhibitor or to if it's somebody who has 16 national champions behind their name. A judge needs to feel empowered to say, I'm going to ask you to step out and remove some milk from your animal, please. Or, you know, when it's happened three times in a row, okay, well, now you're going to move down to 15th place in this class because the utter texture is is not desirable. And again, like even Dr. Ed has brought up, how many club shows do you go to that they actually have milk out anymore? Like, and again... I've brought this up and said it a million times. As a breeder, it's your responsibility to make sure that that animal is in its best possible health. So if you think that it's more important to, I don't know, for some reason, think that you're going to get that higher placing, but make it at the detriment of the animal's health or put it in being uncomfortable, then you're not... You're not a very good, trustworthy kind of breeder to me. It's going to come back to bite you in the butt. I think. Yep. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that there. I Um, expect this to be part of the board of directors meeting, part of what's brought up in the annual meeting this year. And hopefully we can do away with milk check once and for all. I'm just, I'm just going to say that. All right. Well, Laura, I will look forward to you spearheading that and reading the minutes. Well, I think it should come from the National Show Committee, but, um, you know, I, I'm on record for what my vote's going to be. So thank you, Director Warren Hughes. <laughs> okay, let's move to something else. We had a first we had a first time we had a first time thing at this national show. Yes, we was, did there. We did. That was we the had... Guernsey Parade. Yes, the Guernsey Parade, which was. Uh, interesting. They were on exhibition status there, um, and it was very. It was. It was an interesting experience. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, Lord, you were sitting ringside, right, watching the Guernsey parade. Yes, I was. I was actually ring secretary in the other ring when it was going on. So, um, you know, I'm. I'm excited. I can't imagine the excitement that those Guer- the Guernsey breeders had and thinking that they finally are going to get to showcase the breeds that they've been hoping and waiting for so long to get to be part of ADGA. So my hat is off to them for that. Um, Yes, I would agree. I would agree. That's, that is, you are very true there. However, I also think that we do have to remember that there is, I wish there would have been some more thought behind it. That's my first. I was going to say the same thing. I was very disappointed to see exhibitors in the show ring not wearing white. 
Well, not only that, but I wish it had been published more on Edgar's social media. I wish it had been pushed in part of the national show schedule there. So if people were watching the live stream, they would know this is happening and be able to look at them. Right, because I'm sure that there are some people, that is the first and only time they've ever, ever seen what a Guernsey looks like. That was my first time seeing a Guernsey. Yeah, yeah, my second, but yes. And, and I think, you know, it, it, if we want to really do it right, you know, have the pomp, have the circumstance here, um, you know, we, we, we need to do it right. Like, that's the biggest thing is we need to make sure that we give them the same respect we are giving the breeds that are on the show status, for lack of better terms. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Now, I have a question for you. Yeah. Some of some of the chatter at the national show talked about the fact that for exhibit exhibition status, there needs to be an X number of, of goats of that breed there, and the Guernseys did not meet that number. So as you are a breeder, a successful breeder of a smaller number breed that has had some strife in trying to keep your, your breed as part of the national show due to numbers – what advice would you have for the Guernsey breeders? Are they ready? Are they ready for the big ring yet? Do they need to put it off for another few years? What What do you think? Oh, good. It's it's a loaded question, Laura, and I I'm not I gonna make a lot of people happy with my answer here. But in my opinion, kind of looking at the animals and kind of looking at the numbers here and saying that we missed one big breeder because he did not pass vet check. And our whole of our numbers were, were you couldn't reach the 35 number of animals there. To me, that's a concern is that you have the numbers out there in order to maximize that and continue to support a breed at a national show and a national level for, for X years as it travels throughout the country. Are they going to get the same amount of Guernseys in, in Wisconsin that they would get in Pennsylvania, that they would get in Redmond, Oregon, that they would get in, in Grand Island, Nebraska? That's the question there. I also go back and ask myself as a sable breeder, a breed that has consistently been small at the national show and consistently been, um, for lack of a better term, propped up by one breeder at the national level here, is it can the breed as a whole stand without one or two breeders going to the national show and supporting it? Right. And that breeder who has been propping it up they have a long history of traveling coast to coast pretty much with a large number of animals to make sure that the sables have enough. Um, I don't, I wouldn't do that. I mean, that's not many people can do that. Not people, many people have the time and, and the resources and, and would be able to do that. So I, you know, I, I agree. I think that's something that before you make that final plunge to jump into being part of a national show, you need to think about sustainability. Mm -hmm. What's the breed going to look like on the West Coast? What's it look like in the Midwest? What's it going to look like if we ever do a national show in the South? You know, what's what would that look like is the question there. And it's something that the breed, and I'm not trying to target Guernseys, but it's also Disables as well, needs to look at and say, hey, we don't have the numbers as, a, as an entire breed unit in order to support a national show. Right. And that's, I mean, that's sad. Of course, that's what everybody wants to get to. But there are a lot of resources that are tied up with having a breed at the national show, um, you know, from show secretaries to judges to, you know, the, the 
expenses associated with national show judges to the office staff. I mean, there's, there are a lot of resources that are tied up with including a new breed. So I, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is something that the Guernsey breeders are talking about amongst themselves as they look forward to next year's national show and, and beyond that too. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing we have to remember here, and I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm concerned about the sable breed and I know in Redmond, we're going to do our, our, our darn best in order to get our animals out there, assuming we have the resources in order to do that and support our breed. Um, but you also have to remember that maybe if you do go back on exhibition status as a breed, maybe it's an eye opening for the breed and the breeders and say, Hey, we need to get our stuff together. We need to start marketing our animals better. We need to start promoting these animals in different places of the country here. Um, so it's, it truly is an opportunity to say, Hey, breeders, we need to get our stuff together if we want to be represented on a national level. Right. I, yeah, I would agree. I would agree so with that. I, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that I am, I'm very concerned about the status of Sables and where that's going to move to um, in Redmond um, and what that could look like for the future of the breed as well there. And I don't think we will get any type of change in ADGA um, protocols for the national show in order to, prop up a, a breed that potentially could not have enough numbers to sanction and, and could be a waste of, for lack of a better term, um, time and resources that could go to other things at the national show. You know, Cameron, that kind of segues in my mind to something that I did want to bring up and I didn't really write this on the list. Well, I think I did, but, um, you know, way back when <laughs> it used to be that each breed had their own day. And that worked great before we had Sables, before we had Nigerians, before we had Recorded Greats. So those were three that weren't there. And, and we could pretty much fit a breed a day at the national show. Um, that made it nice and easy. You just watched that one breed. It showed the whole day and then you were done. Now we have this, this shortened national show schedule. And I, I think everybody would say that it was nice to be able to be released Thursday evening and be able to get home. And I know that for me, especially having it on 4th of July weekend, I had two days to nap and re, you know, get laundry done and unpack my trailer and you know, all that stuff. Um, Having having said that, though, this shortened schedule means that there are some breeds that have to show late in the evening. And I know that was one uh, comment that John Kane had made on Ringside talking about Oberhausley's going into the ring at 7 o'clock at night. What are your thoughts about that, Cameron? You know, I, I understand and I get it. I think there needs to be either there, – there's kind of two sides to this coin is what I look at it here is – you could evaluate the schedule and then plug and play what breeds go in which area after the animals and the, and the numbers are decided. I think that is a great idea and that idea has merit. But also on the flip side is there is value to knowing when your breeds are going to show. So say, for example, next year in Redmond, Oregon, if my dad and I were decided to go and Catherine were decided to go as well, um, we, could, we could, uh, we might not want to travel across the country knowing that we are going to show Alpines first or Sables first on Sunday, knowing that our animals aren't going to look their best, knowing they just traveled across the country, or we might have to plan ahead and say, okay, we need to get out there 
three days earlier in order to let these animals rest and do that as well. So I think there's value on both sides of it from a planning perspective, not just from an exhibitor perspective, but for a show planning perspective as well, thinking how long we can have judges there, how long they need hotel rooms, rental cars, and other things, and being able to lock in all that early in the process. But on the flip side as well, um, you know, we never know which breeds are going to be the biggest there. This year, Oberhostley's tended to be one of the biggest breeds. Um, in previous years, Oberhostley's were not one of the biggest breeds. And can I just say, um, I had the privilege of being show secretary for the Oberhostley show. What a beautiful show. Those, that Oberhostley breed, they were just beautiful animals. And, and for a breed that sometimes has had to work really hard uh, to have their place in the sun, I would say that they shone very brightly at this national show. They were just beautiful. Just I wholeheartedly agree. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that there. Um, but, uh, you know, it just, you know, we can have a floating schedule. We can make it work. But, you know, showing at 11 o'clock at night is not something that's brand new to the Edgar National Show. Um, no. Back when I was a wee tyke, a wee tyke um, in uh, Gillette, Wyoming in 2007, um, the Oberhostleys, which is the biggest Oberhostley show, I think, on record, according to Dr. Kurt Schnipke, um, is was showing until about 3 a.m. in the morning. And how I remember, how I remember this is because they were making announcements over the loudspeakers while we were in the horse stalls way out in the middle of, you know, nowhere, for lack of a better term, Wyoming, um, for these Oberhostleys to come to the ring and they were looking for all these goats. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We didn't have that this year. So that was, no. you know, that was good. And I feel like our judges do a really good job of moving things along as fast as they can and still do a thorough job. But, um, you know, I, for, for our listeners that don't quite understand, you know, our national show judges, they make that commitment a long time beforehand. And so they also don't stay there the whole week. Some of them probably do, but, um, you know, many of them come in and judge and then they're gone. They have other commitments and, and because they're not there showing or, or other things they're they don't necessarily hang around for the whole show. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree there. It's, it's just, and you as a committee as well want to, in a little inside baseball from the committee experience I have here is you want to minimize the amount of expenses you have in order for this national show to figure out how to turn a profit. There's a lot of national shows that haven't figured out how to turn a profit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I'm, I don't know the financials behind this one, but I think with a very expensive facility, um, it could be an interesting one. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how that kind of comes out. So, oh um, yeah. I, you know, the national show schedule, it, I think, and this is my opinion, I think it needs to be set in stone in order to say, Hey, this is when breeds are going to show um, because it just allows for more planning as well. And one thing that I talked about, uh, with Catherine actually on our way back is, is um, Catherine, excuse me, my fiance, as I'll call her here for our friends that have a drinking game. When I say my fiance, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so she, uh, if you're flying out someone to show in goats or if you're uh, planning someone to come as a helper for a day or something, it's good for them to know weeks in advance if they need to get a plane ticket or take off work there or other things. Right, because God knows the plane tickets aren't cheap when you buy them right at the last minute. So, and flying into Redmond, Oregon ain't cheap either. Phew, no, 
no, no, no. <laughs> I might take a train out there. That might be fun. Uh, can I bring my goats on the train? No. Unfortunately, I, I wondered about that, but I guess I haven't asked, but I don't think so. I, don't, I, not, I knew somebody not looking in track. Not, not okay, in track. Yeah. I wonder if you could ride, ride the rails like a hobo with the goats. I don't know. You know, my, my grandfather who used to show um, milking shorthorns, he, I've got pictures of him on a train in a train car um, riding to a big show in Ohio when he was a young man. And uh, it's, it's a neat picture. He's got like, you know, the knickers, the knickers on that they used to wear. And, and I said, well, grandpa, this is a neat picture. And he kind of laughed. He said, yeah, he said, um, the reason why I had this picture taken, I was getting ready to go on a train to this livestock show. And he said, I was supposed to be in bed, but I had to get up, get a drink of water. And I heard my parents talking and my mom said that she made me an appointment to go get my picture taken before I went on this, on this trip for this show. And my dad said, well, why'd you do that? And she said, well, you never know. Those trains crash all the time. And what if we, what if we lose Emmett and he dies? <laughs> so, so look, look how things have gone. And he said, I went to that show thinking, oh my gosh, I hope this train doesn't crash. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, moving away from train crashes here. Sorry. What? No, it's fine. Um, what? Uh, I, you know, the national show, we talk about the incredible highs that the national show presents. If you win a class, if you win showmanship, if you even play, if you, if you place in a class, you know, maybe making the cut is your goal, accomplishing your goal there. However, there are often times at the national show when you, you don't reach your goal or you don't, um, you know, you, you get beaten down a little bit there. And, you know, that's happened to, to us before at the national show. And, and Laura, I know it's happened to you guys as well, but, uh, I think it's important to, to not only just state that, but I think it's important to talk about it a little bit. Well, okay. So Cameron, you're not going to toot your horn, but I'm going to honk it a little bit for you. You guys had a really great Alpine show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say we had a, we had one of our, our best Alpine shows we'd had in, in the history of us, um, you know, being premier exhibitor, um, winning that honor. Um, and then uh, premier sire, we had junior national champion. We won three classes and all the kid group classes and uh, reserve national champion on top of that. Um, so I, but that's that's not important to this podcast here. That's for that's for Kickapoo Valley's no, advertising. No, but no, but Cameron, wait. Can I just ask you a question? Yeah, sorry. How did it feel? Honestly, it's it's one of the greatest feelings in the world. It, yeah, it 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 really is to know. And I look at these animals not just as animals, but as animal athletes. Um, knowing that you can manage these animals to truly their best and succeed on the highest level and seeing able to put all of the blood, sweat, tears that everyone puts into their goats um, come to fruition on a national level. Um, there's really no words to describe the feeling. Yeah. Well, congratulations, my friend. I mean, that's just, that was, that was pretty cool to get to, to be there and see that too. So Thank you, Laura. I, I just, I just wanted you to put that in there. So uh, Laura, how did your national show go? Let's, let's talk about that. This is, this was not planned by the way. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I'm going to say it was a success for us. I mean, all, but I think maybe two of our does didn't make the cut. It was good Alpine competition. Um, 
you know, there are sometimes when you go to a show with some expectations and you realize very quickly that the type of animal that you're showing isn't really what that judge is looking for. And that's totally okay. And so, you know, it was, we had a great time. I had a lot of fun. It was Caroline's last year of getting to be in youth events. So I was really happy that we were able to be out there for her to do that. Um, all three of my daughters got to be there for the Alpine show and that's always a win. We had a fun trip going out and uh, you know, for those reasons, those non tangible reasons, I was really, really happy to be there and it was a great national show. Do I wish that we came home with some uh, better ribbons than what we did? Of course, but who doesn't, you know, it's, it was, it was a good show. Good. Good. I, I think it's important to understand that, not everyone wins at a national show. Right. No, not everybody wins. And it, no. <laughs> and, it, and it's okay to not win as long as you had a good time and you enjoyed yourself. Um, and, and that's really what, why we do this dairy goat project. It is for sure. And, and I know that for me, I, you know, as my daughters have gotten older, I'm always mindful of the fact that this may be the last national show that all of us are able to go to together. So I just cherish those memories. And, um, you know, I think about people that I got to talk with and meet with and, and spend time with at the national show, you know, your, your family that even though we talk all the time, we don't get to see each other very often. It was great yeah. to spend time with you guys and other national show people that I don't get to see all the time. Um, and, and spend a little time chatting and, and, you know, friendship with them. It's, those are the things that I love about national shows. I don't, I don't go because I think I'm going to win something. I go for the experience and I definitely feel like that was a win. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a great way to sum it up there. You know, there are highs, there are lows, there are winners, there are losers. Um, but just because you don't win a piece of pottery or don't stand where you think you should, doesn't mean that you can't have a good time. No. And you know what, Cameron, kind of as we start to wrap things up, do you know what one of my favorite moments of the national show this year was? What, Laura? Recording that podcast that we did around <laughs> your tech then. You know, James Covert came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, I, we, I had a great national show. I didn't bring any goats and I showed the reserve national champion Nigerian dwarf. But the best part of it was recording that podcast. And no kidding, really. <laughs> yeah, he came up and told me that. I was like, girl, that's awesome. But I, I think that was so much fun. And I loved the diversity of people we had there um, with different experiences from the national show, with with youth perspectives as well there. Um, it was a good, true rendition of Goat Cab. We're going to have to do that again. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, Totally. Yes, I agree. That was that was definitely a cool experience there. Um, and we've heard a lot of good feedback from it as well. Yeah, we have. And next time I'll bring a microphone. <laughs> yes, that would be much appreciated there. But I, I will tell you that the audio quality wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, it was it was workable. So it was OK. Yeah. So uh, thanks. Thanks again to all the people that stopped by and were part of it or contributed mar margaritas or <laughs> Whatever, whatever their contribution was, it was a lot of fun. Those were dang good margaritas, I will say. Yes, they were. <laughs> um, so let's wrap up here a little, a little bit here. Uh, let's end on a positive note. Not thinking about margaritas, but I might have one after this recording. Um, 
let's talk with Elizabeth. I'm going to Elizabeth. What was your kind of highlight sparkling cherry on top of the Nashville show? You know, I don't think there's really like a specific moment. I just look back at it and think, you know, like, like everybody has been saying, it was fantastic getting to see our friends. It was really neat getting to see different breeders, goats. I mean, I'm going to shout out to Kurt Schnipke. This is the first time that I got to see his, his animals in person. And, you know, mom and I were just talking about how beautiful his goats are to how true they stand to their character. And, you know, like little things like that and, and sitting around your tack pins talking with friends and people that I didn't know, but now made new friends and getting the opportunity to spend an entire week with my sisters and my mom and, you know, people that don't think you're weird because you have dairy goats. It's just, you know, the national show is always something that I look forward to and is so excited to go to in a year that we get to go that it's the, the national show itself is just a, a big highlight in my, my year overall anyway. So I can't really pin down a specific one time that I thought this is the highlight of my national show experience. Cameron, what was yours? Uh, it's, it's really, it's really hard there. Um, but I'm going to go off the, the, the cuff here and, Unfortunately, um, my fiance, there you go, Sally and Elizabeth. Um, my fiance uh, was not able to be there, which was really hard. Um, not just for me, but for her, um, because she is a micromanager of her goats. Um, <laughs> a little too micromanagey sometimes, but, um, being able to, um, show her goats was truly an honor. Um, it's kind of something we had planned to do together, but it was not something there. And I told myself, I had never vocalized this to her. I wanted to win a class, a class for her. It didn't matter if it was milking, if it was a group, it, just, just something to say, Hey honey, like it, we, we did this together between um, your, your genetics that you work with. And then me being able to, 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 to take them to something level and, and, and show them there. And um, I, I, you know, I, I, I won national show classes before, um, but I got really emotional when I was first placed Tottenberg junior kid uh, because I wasn't showing for myself. I was showing for her. Um, and I was just super proud in order to do that. Um, even when she thinks I, I hate her goats sometimes. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, that to me was the highlight of it all. And I felt like, I didn't have this weight on my I had this weight on my shoulders that you know you needed to trust me in order to get the goats to the level that they were and and they were there. So to to me that was the highlight of the national show. That and uh, and forever embracing my dad um, in the show ring after Ardo Fancy, who um, I publicly do not like most days because she doesn't like anyone else besides my dad. Um, was reserve national champion. That was a really emotional moment as well. That was a pretty dang sweet moment. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's between those two, but I, I will tell you what, Goat Gab is right up there. Yeah. No, that was, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was great. Well, so I don't know that next year's national show is in my 
is in my future. I'll really have to think about it. Maybe, maybe to go out and watch and I'll cheer, I'll cheer everybody on and we can do another episode out there. But I, you know, thinking back to wrapping things up, I can't wait till the next national show comes. Yeah, me. I, yeah, that's, that's a perfect way to put it there. Um, so I was going to ask you, are you going to Redmond or you're not? Uh, it's still up in the air. I sure would like to. I, I really would like to. Probably not to take critters out there. But, um, you know, definitely to watch. So, Well, we're, we're having those conversations. I will tell you that. I will tell the people that right now is we're having those conversations. Um, right. And, you know, like, like the Carter said in our episode, you really got to commit to the idea in November. And I will tell you that ide- uh, ironically, the national show ballot decisions generally come out if you want to be on the ballot or not, or also in November. So. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a whole other element that I don't have to deal with. So. Yes. So that that's for, that's for a TBD at, at the time being here. Um, but, uh, Laura, I think we've got a lot of things in the works from this national show. Don't you agree? I do. I think so. I think that's a good place to end things. What do you think? Yeah. So, uh, expect those. Thank you listeners for one listening to us. Also, thanks for coming up to us at the national show saying you've listened to the podcast, telling me you're telling us you're not sick and tired of our voices yet. So thank you for that. Um, we appreciate that. And again, if you have some feedback or want to share a topic suggestion, um, go ahead and drop us a chat on Facebook. Um, reach out to us in our private messengers as well there. Um, email, Facebook, snail mail. Give me a phone call. Heck, even write me a letter if you want. If you would write me a letter, that would be awesome. Smoke signals. Do those work, Cameron? You bet. You bet. <laughs> Morse code. Um, thank you, everybody, for being part of our Goat Gab um, lives and uh, for listening to us. It's always a pleasure to get to be part of you. So I hope you all have a great week. Awesome. <laughs>